welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. I'm going to pause our Sermon on the Mount series, and next week, uh, my brother, Brian, Pastor Brian, he's going to be picking up where we left off, Um, and I just felt the need uh, to realign our church around what what is most important, and so um, you are here um, because you're part of the Garden Church, or maybe someone brought you, but I want to ask you a question. When you think of the word church, what do you think of? Just tell me. What do you... Shout it out loud. What do you think of? Family. A building. building. Community. Community. Did I hear a kid say Jesus on the cross? From the mouth of babes. Gold stars to that young man. Get him a donut. Um, Who else? Body of Christ. Worship. What else? Hypocrisy. Prayer, love. Let's be honest. I love I love where that went. Hypocrisy, judgment, anti everything. For, who is that? Will you stand up on your chair? It, are, is come on, dude. What's your name? Elijah, just like a prophet over there, huh? I want to bless you, little boy. I bless you in Jesus' name that the words that you speak would be rooted in your heart for the rest of your life, that God would protect you and anoint you for life in his kingdom forever, that you'd be a blessing to your parents. Make sure you listen to them, okay? All right, you can sit down. Sleep through the night. I have a quick praise report before I jump into this, Um, and it's for parents. Saturday night, my mom took both of my kids over to her house for a sleepover. Friday night, not last night, Friday night. We had 24 hours at home without kids. I just need to say, that was the first time in I don't even know how many years, seven years maybe, we've been at home without children for an overnight. Praise the Lord, God Almighty. I love my kids, but it was amazing. Anyway, so there you go. I've been thinking a lot about church and why we are here. What's our purpose? This is the question I want to answer. Why are we here? What's the purpose of the church? I've been thinking about this, especially for the last year and a half or so. Since COVID-19 disrupted the normal rhythms of church and began to bring about all sorts of change in society and culture. This last year and a half has shaped us in so many ways. And if you look at it, what you see more than ever is division, anger, hostility, outrage. We are debating language and ideologies and our political ideologies have divided us like never before in human history except during the Civil War. I have seen so many people leave our church and other churches. I talk to so many pastors and it's the same story. They're leaving churches because of their political affiliation. That becomes the primary means of belonging to the church is a political party affiliation. What does that sound like? Idolatry, 
And not just that, the, the church has been made in the image of the American Christ, where we build around, we build church around comfort, preferences, convenience, individual self-focus in our culture. Self is the idol we worship. And I wonder what Jesus would do if he were here today. This is what I've been thinking about. What would he say to the church as we read the Sermon on the Mount and we see him confront the religious leaders of his time, the the nuance of religion, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Essenes and the Zealots. He confronts the religious establishment and provides the alternative kingdom way. What would he say to our church today if he were here? Because we have a problem, and the problem's not just in the church. Well, it is, but it's also in the world. When I look at the church, what I see is like never before in the history of the world has the gospel been more accessible to the nations. We have more podcasts. We have live stream. All of you watching at home, God bless you. Live stream capability, YouTube. We have out worship songs that are so powerful and life-giving, and they seem to drop every two weeks. There's a new worship song being out there that's totally wrecking my life, right? There's leadership dynamics. There's, 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 there's um, consulting firms that are helping the church. There's Bible apps. I took two and a half, three years. I took two, one year. I'm going to get this right one day. One year of just research methods of studying scripture, classes and courses that taught you how to find the answers in the library. That now, with a Logos Bible app, I hold my finger down and it brings all of it to me in a second. I mean, the accessibility of the gospel and the word and the access like never before yet in Western culture Leaders are dropping like flies. Every generation that's coming of age is leaving the church in the West like never before. It was the millennials that were the least church generation. Now it's Gen Z. Depression, suicide, addiction, all time high. Anxiety, all time high. Do you think we have a problem? All of our Access all of our technology, all of our, our podcasts, all of our YouTubes, all of our books, our conferences, they aren't helping the world. Why? Because we've missed our purpose. It's like in 2004, I've told this story before, Matt Emmons was, uh, was destined to win the gold medal in the air rifle, the three-position air rifle competition, and going into his last shot, he was guaranteed gold. All he had to do was hit the target anywhere, and he was going to get gold. He aims, holds his breath, shoots bullseye, looks back, goes from first place to eighth place. He had hit the bullseye on the wrong target. We're hitting the bullseye on the wrong target, folks. And it's not the responsibility of some website, some church building, some coalition of pastors gathering. It's on us, the church, because we are church. If things shut down tomorrow, like it did in March 2020, are you prepared? 
to fulfill the Great Commission? Are you ready to be a resilient disciple with all the chaos that's going to come at you in regards to politics, the difference of opinion, government, schools, banks, society? Are you ready to be a witness to the ends of the earth or are you just waiting to be told what to do? In the Gospel of Mark, I was reading, you only have two categories for what it means to follow Jesus, in the, according to the Gospel of Mark. Category one is disciple. You're either a disciple of Jesus who follows Jesus to the cross, or the second category is a crowd. You're part of the crowd. And in one moment, the crowd says, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, laying down palm leaves. And then a couple chapters later, that same crowd is saying, crucify him, crucify him. The question is, who are you? Are you a disciple building the church or are you part of the crowd waiting to gather? I don't want to waste your time. I made this perfectly clear when we started gathering. I wasn't going to waste your time. I'm going to preach the word of God. I'm going to, I'm going to call us to be the kind of church that reflects a biblical community and it's going to be costly. It's not very easy. This isn't a three steps to make you a better person. This is lay your life down before Jesus because that's the only thing he asks of you. So, back to the question. And maybe just to rephrase it, let's just get back to the basics of Christianity. What's the purpose of the church? You know this passage, Acts chapter 1. Let's just look at one, one verse for the sake of time. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So Jesus says... In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that the church will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on them to be witnesses. That word is where we get the word martyr. We've talked about that here. Martyr means um, to lay one's life down for the faith. Um, it means to live a testimony. And for Christian, Christianity or what Jesus is after is that you will receive power in the, from the Holy Spirit to live a life that naturally points to the resurrected Christ. And that everywhere you go to the ends of the earth, you will be this representative of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Matthew says it this way in verse 28. I'm sorry, in chapter 28, verse 18, he says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority has been given to me. Listen to what he says to his disciples. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey some of the stuff I commanded them. No, everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the ends of the earth. Have you forgotten the commission? Do you remember that you've been called and commissioned as a follower of Jesus? You're not commissioned to run a business you're not commissioned to live a comfortable life with multiple homes and lots of time off. You're not commissioned to retirement. You're commissioned to the ends of the earth. You are commissioned to teach the world, the nations, every ethnic group out there, every language, everything Jesus commanded. How you doing, church? Wow, it's super quiet. Just pause, let that sit in. 
insert funny joke here. Okay, let's move on. Part one of the Gospel of Luke is the life message ministry of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. In the, gospel, uh, in the, in the book of Acts, it's part two of this series that Luke records. It's the life message ministry of Jesus through the church by the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, when you get to Acts chapter one and Jesus says, you will be my witnesses, he's telling his followers that when they receive the Holy Spirit, they will continue the ministry he had for them. Rob Reimer says this. He says, we need followers of Jesus who look like Jesus, act like Jesus, talk like Jesus, serve like Jesus, love like Jesus, and minister like Jesus. Acts gives you your purpose. You do not get to decide what kind of Christian or church you want to be. Jesus already decided for you. The purpose of the church is simply this, to continue the ministry of Jesus today. It's that simple. To continue the ministry of Jesus today. So then the next question I have for you is what's, or what was the ministry of Jesus? According to the scriptures. Because if we keep hitting the bullseye on the wrong target, maybe we're missing something, right? Are you guys with me? I feel like it's a lot more quieter. It's quieter than normal. Are you with me? Is it just, it's like, wow, this is so powerful, Darren. I just need to sit in silence over the words the Lord is giving you. Is that what's going on? Don't be nice. Don't humor me. Take a, I love you. Thank you for saying that. We got one person taking note. That's okay. What, what's the ministry of Jesus then? I don't want to miss this up. I don't want to miss this church. I don't want to end my life as a pastor going, I built a cool church that moved around and got a building and you know, we, we ended up dying off. I don't want that. I want a movement. I want a revolution. I want revival. I want to be a part of God doing something that is undeniable, undeniably miraculous. There's no way we could do it on our, by ourselves. But if we're going to do that, then we need to get our focus right. We need to aim at the right target. What are you aiming at? Is it your dreams and your career and your family and your time off and your cozy little lifestyle? It's getting really hot in California. Politics are getting a little too crazy for me. Let's move to Idaho. I'm telling you, I was in Ohio and I was tempted by the acres of land that everyone owns. And the cost of a really large house with a basement and two acres, it's, it's a third of the price. Now they have winter. <laughs> so I'm good for now. What was the ministry of Jesus according to scriptures? Grab out your Bibles or go and go to Matthew chapter four. I'm gonna give you the summary statements. You should, you should have this written down, that these, this is what the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, write down as the, the summary of the ministry of Jesus. Matthew chapter four, verse 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of what? The kingdom. And then what did he do? And healing every disease and sickness among the people. Mark chapter one, verse 15. This is Mark's summary Jesus says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus proclaims the kingdom, but his proclamation has this little thing. The kingdom has come near. It's almost as if you can touch this 
thing I'm communicating, this kingdom, you can grab it and you can touch it. Luke chapter 4, Jesus uses the words from Isaiah and he says, from Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has set, sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So if we were to summarize, did he say blah, blah, blah? He said, wow. Can we get this kid up to preach? Elijah, come here. You're doing something right back there. Can you pray for the parents after this? We love your prayers. If you were to summarize. So here's what I want you to do. Purpose of the church is to continue the ministry of Jesus today. So you need to write that down. What was the ministry of Jesus? Simply this. Preaching and demonstrating the kingdom of God. It's that simple. It's that simple. Do you know that? When someone says to you on the street when you're at 7-Eleven, what was the ministry of Jesus? You can say without question it was preaching and demonstrating the kingdom of God. I don't think they'll ask you that. So then what does it mean? What does that mean? What did Jesus mean when he said the kingdom of God. And, and how did Jesus demonstrate it? Again, I want us to focus our purpose as a church. What's our purpose to continue the ministry of Jesus? What's his ministry preaching and demonstrating the kingdom? What did he mean by the kingdom and how did he demonstrate it? The kingdom of God is God's reign and rule. It's what life would look like if God was in charge. We've heard this a thousand times here. I've talked about it so much. The kingdom of God is the way God intended life to be in the first place. Everything being restored back to the way it was intended to be in the Garden of Eden. It's what life looks like when he rules, when he has power and authority and dominion over all things. The kingdom of God is the reversal of everything that went wrong with the world when sin entered the world. It is the restoration of the way things were supposed to be, of the way things were supposed to be. The kingdom of God is a life reordered by God. And that life is marked by healing and wholeness and justice and peace, and freedom, and joy, and love, and forgiveness, and the Holy Spirit. Do you see why the New Testament authors called it good news? This is what he meant when he said good news. God's in charge. The way things you were supposed to be, a way that doesn't include masks because of COVID-19, a way that doesn't include you struggling to make sure your children have enough food to eat. A way, that, a way that's marked by a community coming around you when you're going through a hard season and your mental health isn't what it's supposed to be. But God brings the people around because one day it will be healed, even if it's not in this age, but in the age to come. But God says, I'm going to bring people to hold you up when you can't hold yourself up. That kind of good news. It's not... Simply, good news, there's a heaven, believe in Jesus, and you don't go to hell. Do you see how that, that limited view, yes, 
there's a heaven. Yes, entering into a relationship with God brings about salvation. Yes, the cross forgives us of our sins and washes all unrighteousness and impurity. Yes, all of the things. But it brings about new creation. It ends the reign and terror of Satan. And it ushers in a new life. Are you realizing how beautiful this news is? Why is it that we're debating masks? Why is it that we're fighting over words? Why is it that we keep blowing it with our hypocrisy? I'll tell you why. Because we don't understand. We haven't experienced this reality for ourselves. We keep forgetting that we're here to proclaim this news and to demonstrate it. Jesus didn't come with some esoteric, philosophical, enlightened view that you just got to discover for yourselves and believe the right things and have this disassociated detachment from the rest of the world. He came embodying the message, which is why everywhere he went, the, the blind would see, sickness would go away, diseases would be healed, demons would flee. Demons need to flee when the kingdom of God comes. But most of us haven't been trained in the power and the authority we are designed to carry as disciples of Jesus, as co-heirs with Christ, as Paul says it politely in Romans chapter eight. How are we doing, church? We haven't been trained to cleanse lepers or raise the dead or do the things of Jesus because we've simply made this movement, this revolution about you coming here, us growing a big church and you giving money and then making us feel good about this movement we're all associated with and then maybe there's a celebrity pastor and we worship him and we, we follow his spirituality. We don't have to have a spirituality because we have pastor so-and-so and his spirituality is so great, isn't it? And he's famous and then he falls and then everyone's in despair because they don't know what to do because they put their faith in a person and not the resurrected Christ and they haven't been trained to live out the kingdom. I'm sorry, I'm just preaching to myself now. I don't even know. We're called to bring about this thing. Jesus embodied it. it the, he, if you see Jesus, it's his, his way, he, he would bring people into a new way of existence. It wasn't, he wasn't trying to bring people into this new way of, of simply like doing life like, okay, all this stuff about the kingdom, it's for your quiet times. All this stuff for the kingdom, it's for your Sunday morning worship. No. <laughs> It's so when you go to the restaurant, it's so when you go to your workplace, when you see that person who's not fully there in your mind, you have the compassion from the Father and are willing to stand in that gap of heaven yet not yet coming, but heaven coming and say, I want to see your kingdom come. This is what you're called to, church. We have to have a faith increase. I want to see miracles. I want to see salvations. I want to see hundreds of people baptized in short amount of time, short period of time. I want to see thousands. I want to see hundred thousand dollars given in the next year just to Franklin. I want to see that miracle of generosity. I want to see thousands of people. I want to see Long Beach come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I don't, I don't ask me about three steps for the next year of how to make the garden a better su- Sunday gathering. I want to see a move of God. But the only way we can do that is if we, you, embody it. The ministry of Jesus, think about this. The ministry of Jesus is an invitation to experience God's way of life here and now. And church, we can't just talk about it. We can't just, you know, give you some, some social media, you know, quick little memes to help you understand the word of God. You gotta dive in. You gotta, you gotta hear the song for yourself. You gotta eat that salsa if you were here a few years ago because the kingdom of God is like salsa. I can tell you the ingredients. I can talk about how good it is. But at some point, you gotta make it and eat it. Are you with me? So I don't have the illustration with me, but go get some great Mexican food and get some salsa and be like, yes, the kingdom of God is like salsa. Rob Reimer, again, this is in his book, Spiritual Authority. He says, we must demonstrate the message that the king of heaven has power to overcome, overcome evil and all its effects, just like the early church demonstrated this to its generation. We must operate in the power of God that releases those in bondage, that heals the brokenhearted, and that frees people from the power of the enemy. Last week, I don't know if you were here, I shared it briefly, but I was in Ohio. Long story short, I, I, ha- I met this homeless person who didn't know I was a pastor in the midst of talking to him about his addiction to cocaine or crack cocaine. Um, from 16 to 44, he has been on the streets in Ohio. But he said this line that shook me. He said, I know Jesus. I grew up in the church. I went to church. He, he became addicted to drugs at 12 years old. And he said to me, Darren, he said, the church couldn't heal my pain. They wanted me to change my behavior. But when I couldn't change my behavior, they judged me for it. So I left. And I thought, that's exactly what we do, isn't it? You got to conform. You got to get these practices right. You got you to not be so loud. You got to be this way and not this way. And if you're a woman, you got to be this way and not this way. And that's false. Toxic masculinity in church has oppressed women for far too long. And we are going to raise up a new generation that has no clue about that baggage before. So we will empower women. We will say, actually, you do have a voice. Yes, you can preach. And yes, you can lead. And yes, you can plant churches and all those things. Because it's not based on your gender or your biology of how the Spirit gifts you. It's based on character and the presence of God in your life. That's it. That's how it's always been. That's how it was in the Garden of Eden. And that's how it's going to be in Revelation 21 and 22 when heaven marries earth and there's co-mutual, submissive, loving relationships that honor each other. Jesus wasn't afraid of femininity, your feminine self. He wasn't afraid. It wasn't a threat to him. Think about that. He let the prostitute let down his, her hair. He wasn't afraid. He knew what was in this woman's heart. No one else knew. So yeah, we got a lot of work to do. I don't know why I said that tangent. Maybe you needed to hear that. I'm sorry for all the ways we've blown it. This is not a man's club. This is, this is the image of God club. You're getting all these freebies today. 
man, I'm just going to go. I like doing it like this. It's a lot harder prepping for something like this, I'll tell you that. I want to be a church that can heal people like Quentin. Jesus told us, um, so the purpose of the church, the aim is to continue the ministry of Jesus. The ministry of Jesus is preaching, proclaiming, and demonstrating the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the way God intended life to be. It's not something that we can just talk about or know. It's something we have to step into and experience. And that, then, then from there, it says in Acts that you will receive power to be witnesses. In John's gospel, it's so crazy. It's really offending my view of discipleship. Je- Jesus says to his disciples, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me, whoever Whoever believes in me, right, will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Now, there's debate, greater. We've talked about this, right? The debate over greater, like is it more quantity or is it quality, right? So is it more quantity, meaning there's millions of us who follow Jesus, and now there'll be millions of miracles or the works of Jesus, or is it quality, like more quality? But up until this point in the Gospel of John, the quality of miracles included things like giving sight to the blind, uh, performing a miracle of turning water into wine. Uh, uh, One of the, the things is casting out demons, and then there's a big one where he raises the dead. Lazarus, come out. So I don't know if you can get a more qualified miracle. I don't know, like being dead and then breathing, that's a really good miracle. Can we all all get on the same page? Like qualitatively, that's pretty good. Either way, here's the point. It will be the same works as Jesus, not less than. What are you expecting out of your faithfulness, your discipleship? Are you expecting the things that Jesus expects of you? We talk about being a church, meeting people's expectations or doing what the Bible commands. Do you remember this practice? Like the church expects, like what, how are we leading the church based on the expectations of the people? Or are we leading out of the biblical commands, expectations, things like we gotta have coffee. Now I used to laugh because we don't have coffee. Apparently, we can do church just fine without coffee or bottled waters or, or fruit and snacks because what's more important than those things being together? Because we know what it's like to not gather. We know what it's like to not be in a room together and worship God. So all of those expectations go out the door when COVID-19 hit. I'll do church in a coffee shop because it has free Wi-Fi to belong. I'll do digital Zoom to be with my best friends and make sure that we're walking in each other's lives because we can't gather together. I'll meet in a backyard and pray six feet apart because that's what's required. All those expectations go out the door when you recognize this is a calling, this is a commission, this is a command. I didn't know I had this in me today. Sometimes I just needed to let it go, get this off my chest. Thank you. I just, I really want us to, to know the Jesus that I see, and I'm falling in love with him more and more. And, and what I realize is that the, church, the world is hurting. So much mental illness out there, and we gotta do better than say, pray more. Or isolate. People get divorced, we gotta do better and say you can't get divorced. We talked about this. We gotta come around them. We gotta be the love of God for people. 
Jesus commands you to continue his ministry according to John and Matthew, and I'll skip this one. How do we do the ministry of Jesus? How on earth do we do it? Acts 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Power is the ability to do something. Power is the ability to do something that you couldn't do on your own strength or your own capacity. The Spirit of God fills you to transform you, to empower you for His purposes. God fills you with His Spirit to transform your life in order to empower your life as you go about doing ordinary life to fulfill His purposes. So you stop at a gas station and you heal the sick and you give some money to someone who's hungry. That's what Jesus had for that moment, but we're so distracted. We're walking around everywhere we go with our faces in our phones, with our occupied mind, our attention on what we're worried about, what we're anxious about, what the next thing is gonna, the next nap is, whatever it is, we have to wake up to God's purposes, but how? The Spirit of God. We have to humble ourselves in our achieving culture, in our getting it right and performance image-driven culture, we have to humble ourselves and say, I need you, Holy Spirit. This is why Paul says to the church in Ephesus, he says uh, in Ephesians chapter five, it's a command, right? And Ephesians is written as a unique book, right? Ephesians is written as a letter that would be passed around to all, uh, all the other churches. It wasn't like specific like Galatia, what was going on in Galatia and Galatians or Romans, what he was trying to get to Spain. It was specific. It, w- it wasn't as specific. It was a general letter. And he says to the church, hey, when you gather, don't get drunk off wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he says there's, there's a way of living in this world in this culture, in society, that influences your mind and your lifestyle. Don't get drunk off wine. Now, in Roman culture, there's something called symposiums. Symposiums were drinking parties. There was no such thing as modesty in the first century. What you would do is you go to someone's house and you would get drunk. You would drink until you got drunk and then you'd eat as much food as possible. You'd do other things with your body in that space and then you'd throw up and then you'd have more wine and more food. That's what you did. There was no other way of engaging in culture. It wasn't until the New Testament's written that there were these ideas of saving your body, of keeping pure, of living in moderation. So, so Paul's like, hey, church, you used to live this way. Culture is only taught you to do this. But now that you're, you're part of the body, there's a new way of living under a different kind of influence, and it's the Spirit of God. And if he was here today, I think Paul would say, hey, don't be consumed with social media, which leads to competition and depression and comparison. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be consumed with yourself, which will lead you to despair and self-interest and self-worship and idolatry. Instead, be focused on God and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be obsessed with politics, which leads to an obsession of power and control. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, which leads you to self-sacrifice, self-empowerment, and humility. Brothers and sisters, there's a million things. Don't be obsessed with money or your family or your career or your retirement or whatever it is. Instead, there's another way of living in this world, and you have to recognize you are being, being filled every single day by the other things. So Paul's challenging you. What are you being filled with? Every day you wake up, you're giving a devotion to the thing you're being filled with. 
yeah, we don't have time to read scripture, but I have an hour a day on Instagram. I don't have time to, to pray for people, but I have 45 minutes to do emails. I don't have time to saturate and see what God is doing in the world because everywhere I go, I'm interested in how people are responding to my recent comment that I posted and broadcasted to the world or when the next urgent email comes in that I have to respond to and get that dopamine hit that fills me with such joy. It fills me with this sense of purpose and meaning and success. And, or, or, or I want to know where crypto's at. I want to know what the stock market's I want to know what politics are saying. I want to know the news. So I have my devotion to those things. And what Paul is simply saying is as, the follow, as followers of Jesus, as the church, there's two ways of living. Being filled with things of the world or being filled with God himself. So he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the word filled is a continuous present tense verb in the Greek. It means keep on being filled. Just like you wake up and keep on being filled with the other things. He's saying, no, 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 you've got to constantly counter that filling with the right thing, the right person, because it's not a thing. When you receive the person of God, you receive power. The Holy Spirit is a person. He wants to dwell with you. He wants to heal you. He wants you to be free from that, that memory that has kept you locked away, that little girl that's been locked away. Once he heal you of that, that anger that you've tried all the things to fix, all the, th- all the ways, all those self-help books to fix the Holy Spirit, the presence of God wants to set you free. The Holy Spirit wants to give you power to have attention back on your families, to have your heart set free from the bitterness and anger and rage and the pain. He wants to help you focus on the things he's drawn you into so you're not scattered about everything going wrong in the world. Yes, there's injustice in the world, but he wants to show you how to, how to use, how, how, to, how to narrow in your energy so you can transform the injustices in the world. This is what God himself will do in you if you humble yourself and say, come Holy Spirit. I think the church has been missing the bullseye for far too long because it's so much easier to define set, success Success. So much easier to define sex. Success. In the other ways. You were made for power. And what I see in the church is impotence, powerlessness. We tell people to change their behaviors. We don't know how to heal the pain. And part of that is you haven't been healed of your pain. Church is not some website. It's not some Instagram account. It's not a building. It's not an organization of programs. It's, you can't reduce church to non-essential. You can't yelp it. You can't shop it. You can't opt out of church because you are the church. You are the people of God, filled with the presence of God, released on God's mission into the world for his purposes, which is simply this, to continue the ministry of Jesus today. You've been called and you have commissioned. What are you gonna do? John Stott said this, what we need is not more learning, not more eloquence, 
not more persuasion, not more organization. And may I add, not more podcasts, not more worship albums, not more YouTube channels, not more devotionals or Jesus callings, what they need, what we need. Nothing wrong with those things. Is the power of the Holy Spirit. Power from the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church.